the sense of accomplishment, not that I look any different after working out for two weeks or trying to eat clean for two weeks, or I bought a bunch of greens that I'm trying to eat instead of just all the other stuff, but just celebrating the fact that I switched over some to those things and letting that be my goal. So I call those input goals versus the output final result kind of goals. The Shepherd and the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Hey, good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Marty. I'm super excited for today because we've got a wonderful person that I've known in the community a bit, and she coached with my daughter, but she does so much more. Okay, I know her as um, the person I play spades with. <laughs> so, uh, but she's so much more. <laughs> Nikki, uh, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Can you introduce yourself? Let people know why we invited you and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, a little bit going on with my life. I've chose to share myself with a few different different avenues and, and ways to give back, and I think they all interrelate. Um, what I do right now currently is I am an independent consultant and district manager with Arbon. I try and help people find healthier alternatives for both skincare and nutrition. Nutrition is a huge part of our lives right now. I also coach high school field hockey, as Matt had mentioned, and I love working with our girls. And then I also, nine to five, I am a plant manager of a chemical manufacturing facility, oddly enough, in Dexter as well. I think you should have asked her, what don't you do these days, Nikki? <laughs> right. But what I really wanted to, to look at is because the new year is here and uh, people are trying to change their eating habits. And so many people are sincere in their attempt and then they fail. And you're going to have a lot to say about that. People have a tremendous amount of uh, influence over how they feel, how they sleep. Yeah. And also, you know, Matt, uh, you know, what you're, with your expertise is like, how do we relate to food? You know, what does the Bible say about it? Uh, you know, there's some really good guidelines and oftentimes we're not looking for them. So we don't tease them out, but there's a, there's a lot to be said about how uh, we relate to food and to ourselves and what we put into our bodies. Very much so. Yeah. I'm just curious how you first got introduced to the idea of helping people take better care of themselves. I too, Matt did the detox program through Arbon, and I did it because I was looking to lose some weight because of baby, baby pounds that had, you know, crept on and stayed on in my early forties. But where I really, where I really saw where I wanted to take this was when my husband did the program about a year later, his family had a host of medical issues. His dad had died at 55 from a massive heart attack. His brother at 42 had quadruple bypass. His sister had also had a heart attack in her early 40s. So uh, when Chris was in his early 40s, I kind of gave him an ultimatum. And I said, you know, you really need to put your health first 
because you have a seven-year-old daughter, however old she was at the time. And I said, you're coaching her, you're, uh, she's in school and you want to be around for the, for all those times for her and, and you want to be around. So she has you there to, you know, have conversations with obviously. And so he kind of looked at me a little funny, like, oh my gosh, but he did do it. And he, at when I first met Chris, he was 185 pounds. He's tall too. Yeah, <laughs> Chris is, is a good buddy of mine. He's like six four. Yeah, he's yeah, a big, big fella. And uh, at the height of this, he was two hundred and forty pounds, and he was eating fast foods. He was eating processed foods, no matter what what I was cooking. He was eating more of something else, you know, at lunchtime, or he was eating a lot of foods that weren't serving him well. And going through that process, he he did the thirty days. He lost forty five pounds in six months. But the bigger picture is he was able to kind of get his cholesterol, his blood pressure. He got that all in check. He actually went to a doctor's appointment and a lot of things were put into place for his future. And the doctor was very impressed. Right. So when Chris went through that, I started to see the potential to help other people through that process. For me, it was something, you know, superficial, just on the surface. I wanted to lose the weight because I didn't, I wasn't happy with the way I felt inside. So, you know, the outside appearance was, was um, affecting me internally, but with him, it was just eye-opening to see how this could potentially help other people. And then I started to get into the involved in the chemical side. And with me being at the chemical facility in, in Dexter, then I started putting two to two, two and two together. And those same chemicals that we used in the printing industry, which are highly regulated, are not regulated at all on the personal care side. So then I was like, okay, I need to be an advocate for what people put in and on their bodies. And that's when I decided to make this an official, official thing. Did you notice other changes? I mean, those are really important changes. Those are things that, you know, you're going to be on prescription medication for, for the rest of your life. If you don't have a different strategy, right? The high cholesterol, the statins and things like that. Absolutely. What did you notice though, in terms of like um, sleep and um, emotions, just mood? Chris's sleep patterns were much better. I don't want, it's kind of embarrassing mentioning, mentioning snoring, but his snoring had greatly reduced. And I think that was because of his, how he was breathing a more deeper sleep during the night. And then just fluidly, he was just processing his day so much better because he had made, he'd gotten a solid eight hours of sleep. I looked when I started to evaluate his sleep patterns prior to that, he was waking up every two to three hours either running to the bathroom or getting something, uh, you know, a glass of water so yeah. that those, those little um, nudges in that, in that schedule really affected his sleep patterns. And I think it really, really helped him be in a much better spot overall. Do we know what the mechanisms are for that? Cause, cause if I could tell anyone, anything about first thing I would want to improve if you're not feeling well, in terms of mood, depression, anxiety, whatever it's sleep, that's the biggest payoff. It's so important. Not only that, but just to lower cancer risk, dementia risk. I mean, overall health and, and and not to mention mood. When you get a good night's sleep, you hit like seven and a half to nine hours. You got a nice day that day. You feel nice and calm and, you know, easy to regulate your emotions. Now there could be several mechanisms I'm thinking of like micro, micronutrient deficiencies, which in America with vitamin D and magnesium, that, that could play a part into it. I'm thinking maybe cortisol. If you're stressed during the day, cortisol is one of those wake up you know, stress, inflammation. I mean, do we, where are we with, with food and sleep? Well, there's, there are several, like what you had mentioned, another big behind the scenes kind of going into play. When you go through this process, 
and you take foods, you give your body 12 hours to digest foods and break down those foods. And then you're, you're sleeping through the night that gives your body a break, which helps you sleep better. Mm -hmm. And that part is huge for that, for that process in terms of the the more hormonal and the chemical sides. I don't have a lot of background in that in relation to, to foods and how that works, but that is, it's a great topic. Um, and it's very, it is very involved, but it plays a huge role in, in sleep patterns. So when you take allergens out of your body for a, for a certain amount of time, and then you're putting in vegetables, which are really dense in, in nutrients, your body starts to cleanse itself naturally. And so then you're starting to feel better, but here's the kicker. A lot of people don't realize that they're not feeling good at the time until they go through that cleanse process. And then they're like, oh my God, if I felt this good all the time, yes, like I would never go back to eating some of those things, you know, that I was eating. One of the things uh, that's important is we talk about healthy habits a lot, right? We are not perfect. None of us are perfect. So we never preach perfection with uh, nutrition because how many of us would fail on a daily basis? Probably all of us, right? So we talk about progress over perfection. And so it's implementing those daily habits as many as you can and what works for your lifestyle to get you through that, that process. Uh, and that's what, what becomes important. So through doing a detox or a cleanse, you can start to identify what foods don't serve you well. Obviously, we know glutens are a huge problem in America. We know that dairy can upset people's stomachs. Some people's stomachs uh, can be an irritant as well. Red meat can have certain issues with stomachs. And so when you start to remove those items and then you bring them back in, you can identify what potential triggers affect your body. And you can choose to keep those out or you can choose to keep them in. I know me personally, dairy, it affects my, my skin with acne. And then I also know gluten is, as I will get headaches from. So, you know, I'm not a hundred percent on either of those, but I'm probably 90% of the time I'm keeping gluten out 95% of the time I'm keeping dairy out just because I don't like how my body feels with them in my body. Yeah. I've seen that over and over. I was skeptical because, you know, you're supposed to be skeptical at first with the gluten thing. And then I've seen too many people benefit from taking that out of their diet. And, and it may not be just the gluten. It may be that you're making good choices, you know, to in replacement, but it doesn't matter. Gluten seems to be associated, you know, positively with all sorts of problems. One thing that just hits me in this conversation is our ability to be proactive in trying things, our ability to not just be victims or stuck with what we think we've got, but there's there's things that we can do, things that we can try, ways that we can be proactive, which isn't that the number one of the seven habits of highly effective people, wasn't it? Proactivity. I'm not highly effective enough to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, right. I, know. I know. You barely get dressed for these podcasts. I know. I'm going <laughs> to the gym. So, uh, <laughs> why get dressed? <laughs> Food is so reinforcing, Matt. You know what I mean? That 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 we can't look. I've had people panic. Are you telling me I can't ever have birthday cake again? We we're just talking about cutting down on sugar. This is someone in my family. I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that, but you know, they, she panicked because food, if it's being used for emotional regulation, you know, um, you're you're afraid to have your you know comfort blanket taken from you. Mm -hmm. That's how strongly food reinforces. 
Absolutely. And Matt, you brought up a keyword with proactive because how our system works in the U.S. for the most part is we have an ailment and we go get it treated and then we take care of it through that treatment, right? So one of the things that the research is showing is that proactive medicine or proactive approaches to taking care of our bodies eliminates those ailments from occurring for the most part where there there's certain things that are going to happen in our lives hereditary or through environmental but the the more we can proactively eliminate those the better and inflammation is huge what doctors and what the medical industry finds and knows is that if we can reduce or eliminate inflammation then a lot of those precursors so the diabetes the cancer depression uh, a huge hot topic popping up in the last five years or so. But what, when we can reduce or completely eliminate inflammation, that definitely helps decrease those odds. So we're not, we're not putting a bandaid on something after the fact, mm-hmm. we're proactively taking better care of ourselves. And that, that's a, that's a great, a great thing to share. That's cool. It's the old an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Something I know about a little bit. (laughs) So studies are starting to show a direct relationship with food and depression and anxiety. And when we put, uh, you know, those whole foods in our bodies, it's starting to show a reduction in anxiety and depression. And, and that's huge. You know, there's a lot of battles going on out there. And if we can do something proactively to help with food, like that's a, a major step in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at how um, people are improving in depression and it's the, inf- it's inflammation. I mean, there are pro-inflammatory cytokines that we know are associated with depression. It's we're learning more and more about it and, it, and we're treating it like a pain condition, like it's an inflammatory illness. So the things that cause inflammation you want to deal with, and then the things that can protect us, you know, and help us to recover. So, so, so people just don't know. So like the food choices and, you know, people will do what you ask them to do because they want to get better and people aren't as lazy as they think that they are. They just get discouraged easily. I just think a whole food diet solves the problem. You know what I mean? If you can have a mostly whole food diet, cause I've seen it in, in people, you know what I mean? Now there can be imbalances and things like that. You could be missing some things, but in general, as a guideline, is that a good thing to say? Yeah, that's a, a very fair, fair statement. And I think the other thing to go along with that is a lot of people think that you need um, all these organic uh, specific foods to cook with. And what what what's easier is, is if you just know the right ingredients, you can re- you can take a standard recipe, take out three or four ingredients, ingredients like gluten and put in the other alternatives and you, it, the food tastes the same, you have a better option, you're, you're feeling better. And it's because you've removed the refined sugars, you've removed the glutens and you've re- put things in there that you maybe you just never heard of, but they're good replacements. Because in the 1970s, that's what we had. We had white bleached flour, right? You didn't have almond flour, you didn't have brown rice flour. And I will tell you, like, I'd much rather bake chicken with almond flour or brown rice flour. It's flakier. It just tastes good. You can tell, you can start to taste the difference even between the flowers. It is, it is amazing. Oh, I'm glad that you said that because we do train our palates. 
So people think, oh, I just don't like that food. And it's like, well, you haven't been exposed to it. It hasn't satisfied you enough because if you grew up in, I don't know, just pick a country that has a real different diet, I don't know, China or something like that, you would have adjusted to different foods and the foods that satisfy you, you'll start to crave because here's what happens on the like cheat days. Do you ever run a program where you did a cheat day? Mm -hmm. And then everything just goes, blows wide open, right? Just do whatever you want to do. I've seen that lots of people do that, including myself, friends, family. You just get sick of that cheat day because you've had six days of tasting real food and being satisfied by real food. And then after a while, you just, man, I don't want my cheat day anymore. So you Mm -hmm. can train your palate. I think it's good. And I think that for me and maybe for other people, sometimes it's just hard to plan ahead or... And, and we're just grabbing on the go and we don't take time in advance to think through what I know it's something I need to deal with. I know it's something I need to plan for. I know I've got to be a little more strategic in what I buy and when I eat it and how long it's going to last before it goes bad and things like that. I wonder how much of, of our challenge has to do with our lack of thinking or our lack of pacing ourselves in a day. You know, my new saying is this, the days seem like they go so slow and the weeks seem like they go so slow, but boy, the years are flying by. True that. They sure are. I love the idea of new year because it's kind of a reset. And I would love to figure out how, how does setting a goal, you know, like the 28 days of going to eat clean or get some supplements or go on a plan, how much is that a factor? How much is, Hey, it's a time to start. And the idea of having an achievable goal, like I could do, I could do this for 28 days and I just want to help people. And and the information is so good. And I think we, we know more than we do. And so how do we train ourselves I know there's spiritual components, there's psychological components, there's knowledge components, there's the idea of of being able to take bite-sized chunks, not to keep going with food analogies, but how do we help people get bite-sized chunks for them to have hope, for them to have a better day, for them to, to be more of who God made them to be? So that is a great question. And there's a a fact out there that if you try a habit for 30 days, you are more, and the more, and the closer you get to that 30 days, the more likely you are to keep sustaining that habit, Mm -hmm. whether that's um, fitness or, and you know, that's a big one too. Like we never trying to find time to stay in shape, right? You're like, you look at that exercise bike and you're like, oh my God, not tonight. Um, but it, it goes with everything, whether you're looking to save money, whether you're that habit comes into play. And that's, that's a huge number. When you, when you only try and stay do something for three days, like that just increases your, your chance for not getting there. But if you look at it in those chunks, like you were saying, Matt, like that's huge. Like you just have to take it in small bite-sized chunks. Yeah, you're right. It does seem to be around 30 two days. We looked at an addiction medicine um, because Mm -hmm. what you have to realize, you're not just forming a habit, you're breaking addictions because I've noticed this. We've been conditioned 
buy the food for one thing with its, you know, high glycemic foods that make us hungry all the time. Cause eating does make you hungry. Sorry. It does. You eat certain foods, you get hungry, right? You're not satisfied. Hunger for a while while you're passing through it, it's not that uncomfortable. It's a security kind of thing, isn't it? A lot of what it seems like you do, Nikki, is help offer a countercultural viewpoint. A few simple things. I know one of the breakthroughs for me was instead of thinking about the results, I want the results. I want to, you know, stronger arms. I want, I want a smaller gut, whatever it is. Bigger glutes. Glute, bigger glutes. <laughs> what I realized, and this was kind of a change for me in my thinking, was rather than looking for the results, look for the input goals. Like my goal isn't to take an inch off my waist and stick it on my arms. It's to work out four times a week or get in five miles a week or however much, you know, X Mm -hmm. amount of steps. And I find that the busier I am and the more I tend to be helping people and not making it all about focusing on myself the more I forget about myself, the healthier I tend to be. And I'm not talking about turning into a martyr for everybody else and everybody else's needs. There's some of that, especially, you know, if you have kids at home and things like that, that you, you have to, but the idea of, isn't it great that I got to do like input goals, you know, that I got my fourth workout in this week. You know, and, and, and not worry about the results, let the results take care of themselves. I agree. And we are so results oriented that we, we tend to focus on those numbers, those results. I love what you said, Matt, if just focusing on what's in front of you and not worrying about what, what happens, you know, 30, 60, 90 days from, from all those. And I'm actually interested did that change your, your outlook mentally as well? Very much so. Because I, I love the before and the after pictures of things and people and improvements. And I'm all about strengths and I'm all about trying to maximize our opportunities. And yet, you know, I look at the end result, you know, we watch the Olympics and we see what those people are able to do, the superhuman feats that they're able to pull off. But we, we, that's all we get to see. We don't get to see the blood, sweat, and tears that go into the complete dedication of putting in my time, putting in my time, putting in my time, putting in my time. And then the natural consequence is going to be that when it's time to perform, it's going to be, it's going to be there. You know, that the human achievement stuff is really cool, but I think we forget what goes into it and it doesn't just happen. And And I know the sense of accomplishment, not that I look any different after working out for two weeks or trying to eat clean for two weeks, or I bought a bunch of greens that I'm trying to eat instead of just all the other stuff, but just celebrating the fact that I switched over some to those things and letting that be my goal. So I call those input goals versus the output final result kind of goals. And that has so given me hope. And in the end, it's a really healthy way to go, I think. 
because then I'm not obsessing about the end results. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. The results will take care of themselves if you're doing the right thing. That's a great way to say it. You know, there's a really cool story and, and it's not just a story in the old Testament, it's an account. And, and a lot of this is historically documented of the Jewish people. They got put into exile. Uh, the way scripture says is God said, I will be your God. I will take care of you if you be my people. And the people just completely fell away from God. They just got into all, anytime you see the word idol, they get into worshiping all these idols in the Bible, in the old Testament, fascinating most of the time that has to do with sex that was how you worshiped other gods other idols was this kind of thing that's a whole nother conversation but that was happening in israel and the people got conquered and then the leaders got taken away and there's a really fascinating book in the old testament and a lot of it's quoted in the new testament as well and it's the book of daniel some people may have heard of Daniel in the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But there's a really fascinating way. This is how the whole book opens. I'm just going to read it. It's a, it's a little bit of a chunk, but see what happens. Okay, this is, and this is history. This isn't just Middle Earth. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, which you can look that up, Nebuchadnezzar, we have lots of sources that talk about Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So, so uh, they were defeated. With some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and brought the articles of the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed this guy to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish. So there's already all this, like the world's idea of who the perfect people are. And that's who they basically exiled them and took them away from Jerusalem into Babylon. Good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. Now this is king of Babylon. So these young Hebrew Jewish men, were deported, basically, displaced into Babylon. But not only that, they were being trained. They might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans, which were the Babylonians there. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. In other words, they were being completely indoctrinated in everything Babylon, from the languages to the literature, to the food, to everything going on. And it was rich food. The word delicacies uh, translates that way. So that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. And then they list who these people were, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names, so they even renamed them Babylonian names. Daniel became Belteshazzar, Hananiah Shadrach, Mishael became Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Listen to what Daniel did. Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs, who's like the head of the staff there, interestingly, 
that Daniel might not defile himself. Here's what he said. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear for my Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. Why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? So, he, so this guy who works for the palace is saying to Daniel, why don't you want to eat the king's stuff? You're going to end up emaciated or something like that. You would endanger my head before the king. So he's looking out for himself too. But Daniel said to the steward that the king had set over them, please test your servants for 10 days. In other words, let us eat vegetables to eat, water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit. And then so deal with your servants. So the head of the palace and the head of these foreigner, foreign young men um, consented with them in this matter and attested for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, the features of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portions of the delicacies, and they went on. There, there's literally something called the Daniel fast, and it's whole grains, and it's vegetables, and it's stuff like that. Hey, that's awesome. Isn't that crazy? That's the very beginning of the book of Daniel. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And when the king said they should brought in, the chief of his staff brought before them King Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among them, none was found like these four Hebrew guys. Therefore, they served before the king. In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astronomers who were in all his realm. And so then they end up serving Nebuchadnezzar and then the king that followed him, King Cyrus. But I just think that's so fascinating that, that we don't have to just go with what everybody else is going. What enabled the, you know, these young men, it says, so they were probably late teenagers, to hang on to their understanding, their tradition, even though they were placed and given everything in the palace in Babylon. And, and it's just such an incredible reminder of, I think the power of our choices and that we don't have to go with what everybody else is going with or be obsessed with what everybody else is being obsessed with. And there is an option you can proactively choose, but in order for, for these guys to choose the good, it meant they had to say no, you know, and you know, you'd say God was offering these guys an alternative because of it's not just this intellectual thing, but it affects all of our lives, you know, including study of the literature and, and this worldview that we don't just have to take everything that's handed to us or the lack of the lack that we're being told we should have or that we do or because we're this or that. I love that story. And my question, and it's really, I, I don't know if you guys have an answer or a thought about it, is what enabled... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel to have the strength, have the fortitude, have the character, not to just go for the, the good stuff and the king's, you know, immense ideas of what delicacies were. How much of that is saying no? And how much of that is saying, I'm saying no to that because I've said yes to something that's 
so much better and we'll even prove it to you in the little test of 10 days kind of a thing. No, no, I don't think so. Go ahead, Nikki. I don't think so at all. Yeah, I think that is a great question. And I don't know that I have a, a great answer, but I do know, number one, two things. Number one, so there's all these cultural differences with food in different countries that we deal with now. So when something's offered to you, you usually accept it because you don't want to offend the other person. Number two, you had a king involved. So you're telling the king, no, I'm not having your food and risking, you know, exactly. Right. Beheading um, so, or whatever. Right. So those two things stood out to me for sure. It's also good to know that you can have peace without having whatever it is that we're going to. We learn to develop that. You know what I'm saying? Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need to practice some things. We need to have a good technique for life and what we do with the food intake. But they knew that. The idea of denying ourselves, we're taught, don't deny yourself. Just, you know, we have everything at our fingertips now. But one guy said, deny ourselves and take up our cross. Yeah. It's yeah. just the opposite. Of and we killed him. <laughs> but he came back. Right, right. I think that idea that the mantra of our day is follow your heart. And that's in every Disney movie, follow your heart. And if I followed my heart, I would be dead by now. Oh, God, that's horrible advice, isn't it? I would not be married anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we if we followed our heart and everything and, and everything's made to look so good and to, to promise the decadence or just the comfort and what I love about Nikki, what you're doing is you're saying, you know what, there's a better way. And there's a way that it's countercultural. It, it, you don't think like every other message that we're being fed between videos and TikToks that we watch and Instagram stuff and all the commercials and everybody's got something for us. And, and I, I don't know why I've gotten so suspicious or not suspicious. I just don't, I try, I don't think I pay that much attention and I'm not a big shopper anyway, but there's something so much better, you know, that our health leads to and in the wholeness that we can find in that. I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah. So uh, one thing about the Daniel fast that you brought up and Arbon protein is if you do want to follow like a Daniel fast, cause I'm doing a fast right now, fish sometimes, but no animal products. Then uh, Arbon protein is really good because it's pea protein. Yeah. Primarily. Right. There are probably other things in there too. So you can follow a Daniel fast and actually have but it's a vegetarian protein. protein. Yeah. Yeah. But it's complete though. Yeah. It's I don't like protein. the word pea protein. That just sounds kind of <laughs> PEA. <laughs> they don't have people making it that way. It's, it's peas. Like a, so it's 20 grams of protein from peas, brown rice and yeah. cranberry proteins. Yep. And it's the best yeah. tasting. Pro it's, this sounds like a commercial. I didn't want it to, I told you not to make it sound like a commercial, but making it sound like a commercial, but look, it's look, or what you can do is Nikki will give her information and take a look at the plan and then just create it yourself with, you know, different brands if you want to, you know, um, me, myself, I tell people don't spare expense on supplements and food. That's the wrong thing to cut corners on, but you know, everyone has a budget and different values. Mm -hmm. So where can people find you, Nikki? Two ways. Number one, you can email me. It's C-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y-N-L-C-55 at Gmail. Sorry, it's so long. Or you can feel free to text me. I'm not great with phone calls just because I have so many spam calls, but you can text me at 
3488. And I actually will throw out my website as well. And that is www.nikkicalloway.arbon.com. Arbon being A-R-B-O-N-N-E. Thank you so much for your time with us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Nikki. I thank you, Lord, for um, how you led her and Chris together into just some new ways to, to live their lives fully and then to turn around and help other people. And I pray, Lord, that that would be what we are about, that there's so much health to be had when we turn around and help somebody else. We thank you, God, that you've provided for our needs. Forgive us when we doubt that or we somehow think that we're just not going to make it when you have provided alternative ways for us. Thanks for the example of the young men that were literally taken off in exile, displaced in Babylon, and that, that we realize that there's, there's a better way maybe than, than exactly everything that culture is telling us about everything, that you have got our attention. And so uh, I just pray a blessing on this year. I pray a blessing on people to make healthy choices in the midst of whatever they're going through and that we can be proactive. We're, we don't have to just sit back and take everything. We don't have to follow our heart. We don't have to follow what everyone's telling us, but that, that you have a really amazing way for us to go. And so we look to you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you like what you're hearing, join us at Patreon. You can talk to us personally there, get cool merchandise and exclusive video content and more. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can get involved for as little as $1 a month. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.